Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, if you've heard me talk about my church experience, you know that I was a church kid. I grew up going to a small, you know, a series of small uh, Southern Baptist churches. I went to church, you know, three times a week minimum, you know, like every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. Probably had a children's choir practice in there somewhere. I did Wednesday night church. And I heard all the church phrases, all the cliches. I knew all the church songs, especially the kids' church songs. I knew all the hand motions. The hand motions were very important. Even learned a little bit of legitimate sign language mixed in. That was an interesting church fad in the 90s. Um, It was not to be more inclusive uh, to other folks. It was just for performance. It's a good time. Uh, Maybe you also did some fun hand motions. But here is one of the ways that I would define my early church years, my church experience growing up. This is the phrase I would use, cognitive dissonance. There were just things repeated to us over and over and over again that forced me to live with cognitive dissonance. It was things like um, the Bible is the perfect and errant word of God. But those errors that you'll find, because there are some in there, those are just human errors and there's translation issues. But the Bible is perfect and inerrant. So the errors are just human. The errors in the inerrant book. And um, other things like, hey, all are welcome at our church. But you have to look like us and vote like us and behave like us and believe like us. But all are welcome. And then this was the big one that always just forced me to live with this cognitive dissonance. God loves you. God loves you. On the condition that you agree intellectually with a certain set of ideas or you'll be punished in hell for all eternity. God loves you, but you might get punished for eternity. This is the ultimate dissonance. And um, after a couple of really painful church experiences and after uh, some really tough trauma in my personal life, I just started through some personal work to be unwilling to live with cognitive dissonance. I wasn't willing to check my values at the door of the church. I wasn't willing to check my reasoning skills at the door of the church. I wasn't willing to check my story or my pain at the door of the church. I wanted my beliefs and my values and my life to be integrated, to make sense together. And I never again wanted my spirituality to be an experience where I was being dishonest or inauthentic. And it took a lot of pain But I just knew I had to take a look at some of these ideas that I had learned. And so I just started asking, you know, what's real here? Are there errors in the Bible or not? Is everyone welcome or not? Does God love us or not? Which one is it really? 
And we've been in this conversation about salvation for the last uh, few weeks, about God saving us. And maybe you've even experienced some cognitive dissonance around salvation. Like you've heard that God wants to save you and you've asked save from who? And someone has said, well, save from uh, God sending you to hell. And you think God saves us from God. That doesn't line up. And so what I'm hoping is that at least today, that we can uh, cut out some of this dissonance here. You know, I want this to be a place where you get to be your whole true self, where you can hold your values and your beliefs and your experiences all together in integration. And that's why we're looking at the words of Jesus to inform our theology, right? We've been walking through what Jesus says about salvation. And I think so much of what Jesus does helps us integrate our lives. And today we're going to have a conversation about salvation as love. Jesus is the walking representation of salvation as love. Love is the primary theme of our salvation, right? We've, we've talked about some other things, but love is the primary theme. And I'm going to talk for a few more minutes, but this is the entire message right here. We are saved by love, through love, and for love. And we'll be kind of looking at some texts from the Gospel of John today. And John is the love gospel, right? In the Gospel of John, Jesus says things like, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And in John, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. And as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, now remain in my love. And gr greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. And even some of Jesus's famous phrases from the other gospels are translated a little bit different in the gospel of John. Like when Jesus says, if you want to save your life, you will lose it. In the gospel of John, it says, if you want to love your life, you will lose it. It's a love-centered text. And right towards the beginning of the book, we get the most famous verse in the entire Bible, John 3, 16. John writes, I bet you know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You have that written somewhere. You got a cool bracelet, maybe some eye black from time to time. There is all this talk about love in church. But if we have been trained to hate ourselves, we may miss the whole point. Here's the summary of all this love talk from John. God sends Jesus as an act of universal love to save the world through an act of love in order that we might embody love. God loves the whole world. And that love is why Jesus comes. And we see the greatest display of divine love as Jesus lays down his life for us, his friends. And as we have been loved, we are called to love others. We are saved by love, through love, and for love. Love is our path and it is our destination. Love is where we start and love is where we finish. Love is the whole point. You are loved by God. And I know that you have heard this before in religious spaces. Maybe it's even become cliche for you. God loves me. Okay. All right. Next sermon. Thank you. And we may not uh, be able to really feel this to experience the extraordinary good news in this truth. 
that ultimate reality that the divine loves us because we don't think God likes us very much. And we may not know how to feel this because we have been taught that we shouldn't like ourselves very much. And that is a problem of our theology, the way that we think about God, the story we tell ourselves about God. It's easy because of the things that we've been taught to think of God as wrathful, that God is wanting or even needing to be appeased in some way. Otherwise, God is just waiting to pour out God's wrath on all of us. And we have, this is our work, to undo that harmful theology, to unlearn the ways that we have been taught that God is waiting to harm us, to pour out God's wrath on us. We have to start believing, trusting, embodying that God is exclusively loving, exclusively caring and accepting. And God doesn't love you because you believe in Jesus. And God doesn't love you because Jesus died. God just loves you, period. And one of the reasons this is hard for some of us is that we were given a framework for who God is that fits inside a theological idea called penal substitutionary atonement. It's a big phrase, and we've talked about it before, but I want to get into it because it seeps in to every part of how we imagine God to be. This is an atonement theory, and we're actually going to talk about atonement theories on Good Friday here, if you want to come and have a discussion with me. And um, atonement theories are, are, are theories of salvation. How do we get at one with God? And this theory, penal substitutionary atonement, says that Christ, by his own sacrificial choice, was punished in the place of humans, in our place, therefore satisfying the demands of God's justice so that God could then forgive our sins. So Jesus takes our place so that God can forgive us. This theory reaffirms a narrow notion of retributive justice, and an idea around that there could even be good and necessary violence. It also implies that God the Father uh, was petty, that God gets offended like we get offended, and that God can't just love us and forgive us by his own free will, that God requires a payment. This understanding starts with God needing to pour out wrath on something. And God wanting to pour out that wrath and punishment on us. But instead, God accepts the substitute of Jesus on behalf of all of humanity forever. This was the simple narrative I was given. I've I've shared this before. It just went like this. God is upset with you because of your sins. You deserve punishment because of your sins. Jesus was crucified on your behalf so that you aren't punished. And now, when God looks at you, he sees the sacrifice of Jesus instead of your sin. Other common language inside of this kind of way of thinking would be phrases like, um, Jesus paid a debt we could not pay, or it was our sin that held Jesus on the cross, or God's justice demanded a sacrifice. Uh, I have a lot of problems with this system, this framework, But my big problem is that it isn't forgiveness and it is definitely not love. It is a divine transaction. It's an equation. It's a balancing of scales, sure, but it is not love. 
Love and forgiveness never require a payment. Even the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, love keeps no record. Love doesn't keep score. Love is not seen in the payment of a debt. Love is the gracious cancellation of a debt. If a payment is involved, it's not love and it's not forgiveness. It's a transaction. It's a negotiated price. It's a deal. But it's not grace and it's definitely not salvation. We are saved by love, through love, and for love. And I believe that Jesus' death on the cross is the greatest and clearest revelation of God's infinite love for us. It was not a bloody payment required by God to satisfy God. Like God is a vengeful, petty deity needing to be appeased. How small of a God do you think we worship? God doesn't pour out God's wrath on Jesus in the cross. God absorbs human anger and violence and transforms it through an act of love into mercy and healing. This is not the appeasement of a wrathful deity. The cross is a holy reminder that God has already forgiven us and that God has always loved us. There was never a scorekeeper, never a payment required, never a calculation of our deservedness. God has never needed to change God's mind about you. God has only ever had one posture towards all of humanity, one disposition. It is love. Love. That is our salvation. Not a payment, not a price, just love. We are saved by love, through love, and for love, period. So for you, have you lived with some cognitive dissonance around the love of God? You know, you, you've heard it over and over again that God loves you, but I wonder if you have um, internalized some fine print. You go, yeah, God loves me, but there's some fine print. There's some things I have to do, some stuff I got to get done. And I wonder if you've thought of divine love as being connected to your unworthiness. Maybe you've heard or thought things like, God loves even me. Lowly, terrible, wretched me. How much of that have you internalized? I'll say it again. If we have been trained to hate ourselves, it's going to be hard to accept the love of God. If you have been trained to hate yourself, it is going to be hard to accept the love of God. And so for you, what would accepting your acceptance look like? What would it look like to accept that love, that salvation, that clear and exclusive acceptance by divine, by the divine, by God, by ultimate reality, by love itself, by the creator of the universe, what would it look like for you to accept your acceptance? You know, for me, I think there is so much freedom in realizing that no one is keeping score. There is no cosmic scorekeeper. And if there isn't a heavenly accountant, uh, I think you can just close that tab out of your brain altogether. Right? Don't keep score on yourself. Don't keep score on anyone. You are loved. Your friends are loved. 
Your partner is loved. Your roommate is loved. Your boss is loved. You don't have to keep score. And maybe accepting that divine acceptance just means ending your role as the scorekeeper. The love of God is our salvation, not because of a payment or a price, but because God has always and only loved you. I wonder if you know what a bait and switch is. I assume you do. Right? It's where someone advertises one thing and then substitutes an inferior experience once you're on the hook. And I think we've been conditioned to think that when it comes to our religious experiences or our theological beliefs or our connection to God, that there's always just a little bit of a catch. The Bible is the inerrant word of God and God loves everyone and all are welcome. Those things got us on the hook, but then there was some fine print. We learned about who was actually included at church. And some of you have been manipulated and lied to and tossed around over and over and over again in religious spaces. And I just, I want you to listen today. If you're watching, I want you to lean in. The love of God is not a bait and switch. There are no ands, no ifs, no buts. There are no exclusions or exceptions. There is nothing waiting around the corner. There is no catch. There is no fine print. This is only good news. And it is for everyone. The love of God is real. It is calling out from every corner of the universe. It's the shout of the breaking waves and it is the whisper of the wind. It is everywhere and it is for you. You are included. You are safe. No exclusions, no exceptions. Today, rest in that divine, inclusive, universal love. Gather, this is my prayer for us today. Trust and believe that you are loved by God. Not just because of who God is, but because of who you are. You are worthy to be loved. You have always been worthy to be loved. Trust and believe. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.